Welcome to the Becoming Titans podcast. I'm Russ Yeager, founder and CEO of Body Transformation University. I help busy business owners and executives get a beach-ready body without killing themselves in the gym hours every day, giving up the foods they love, or taking away time from their family or business. I believe putting your health first is the most important thing you can do to propel your business and financial success, ignite passion in your relationships, and to live a happier, more fulfilled life. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing inspirational podcasts on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Welcome to Becoming Titans podcast. Today we have a great guest. We have been speaking and I'm like getting all excited about what we're talking about. And um, I had to start the podcast because I didn't want to miss out on the opportunity. Steve, could you introduce yourself and tell our audience um, what you do? Sure. Nice to be here. I'm Steve Pakras. I am CEO of a company called Verblio. We are a marketplace SaaS company that uh, is focused on content creation. So we produce about 80,000 pieces of unique content per year for a thousand different clients per month in 40 different verticals. Uh, and so we're kind of a, a mix of a group of quirky, liberal artsy um writers and business folk who are mostly focused in Denver, but all around the U.S., uh, 3,000 writers that are all U.S.-based, wow. freelancers working from home, uh, and and a bunch of uh, clients of all different ilks, but a lot of digital marketing agencies and a lot of digital marketers. Wow. And I looked at your webpage, and um, I thought it was really interesting that you guys, what you put there for who you create content for, from um, Zodiac, from the Zodiac to zoology, that's like, but that is, I love that you picked those words and that you were sharing that your writers are very creative. Um, that's a broad range of content. <laughs> well, thanks. Yes. I love that line. Uh, we have an amazing copywriter. I was just slacking with her. It's uh, from, I loved it. from astrology to zoology. That's it. Astrology. Yes. Sorry. Not Zodiac, <laughs> but still it's a wide range. <laughs> So for me, it's one of the coolest things that we do. So I, I think that marketplaces are really interesting. And I think that uh, businesses are just crack are just starting to understand the true value of them. So many have been focused on kind of le- what I consider level one value of, quali- of of marketplaces. Tell me if I'm going too quickly into the deep stuff before we like even cover like where I'm from. But the uh, so marketplaces so far have been of two categories, really. You have kind of like the Uber quality, the Uber style or taxis, which is all about how do you commoditize humans so that you have availability of your service and you have a lower cost, but the people don't really matter. And then you have something like an Upwork or Craigslist where you're matching the exact right person to the exact right skill set, but you're not delivering a service. You have no availability. You have to curate them, go through all of this long process to get them, but you're not really bringing together the power of how could you deliver a service that nobody else can do with highly curated talent that only you can find help find for them and deliver something unique as a competitive advantage. So that's kind of my, really, that's my dream. I love that. It can be really difficult to be that person and that company to do that. Uh, it can. And um, the greatest, th- I think the greatest thing out there, that's probably a theme we'll touch on more is that if you create great opportunities for people, you'll get great talent and that great talent will deliver a better service for you. And you don't have to do much more than think about how to create great opportunity for people. Oh, I love that. Love that. Love that. So 3000 people are working for you for content writers. How do you manage that many people? Uh, so we use uh, a 
three main tools. So number one is you build a great team. So I spend as much of my time as CEO, which I learned once I became a CEO for the first time, that there's actually no job description. So you have to figure out where you want to spend your time. Uh, I spend as much time as humanly possible on my team, uh, both understanding what's going on, uh, finding them resources and hopefully keeping them motivated, but also making sure that we find the right talent that's a great fit for us that is just incredibly productive. Um, and then we use that team with our t- um, thinking about a new business model for how do we how do we give writers the right incentives so that they do a lot of the work of the marketplace for us. And so some of the things we do are we um, let writers choose what they want to work on, which keeps them a lot more engaged. Nice. If you've been a writer, that if you work for a forklift technology company and you write 100 blogs about forklift technology every single month, you might not like your life as much as if you could write about a variety of subjects. Um, So we give them that opportunity. We give them a career development path. We pay them premium, premium support. We really think very consciously about every time that we raise prices for our clients, always giving our writers a bump too. Uh, And then we also create, put some of that pressure on the writers themselves which is they only get compensated if the writer accepts their work, um, which happens 95% of the time, but it is risk. And it means that a lot of the burden of matching themselves well is in the writer. So all the things I just said are very unique business model perspectives. So it's not just the technology. It's not just the people. It's how do you create a system that works better? Uh, And the last is that we think a lot about where to use technology to solve this. We have a bunch of just super high-end technologists who have solved marketplace problems before, but the easier that you make this process, um, I think, especially when you're doing services on a SaaS platform, there are so many levels of complexity and the more friction you can take out of it and the more enjoyable it is to actually use your platform to do it, uh, the more work's going to get done at high quality. So those are our three key levers. That is what you do is exciting. I love that you give that responsibility to your writers and the freedom for them to pick because it does make a difference and it's harder. It takes more time for them and it costs more money in the long term for them to create something that they don't enjoy. It's painful. I think so, I think so too. I um I hope it becomes a major trend that this is the way, this is the next wave of marketplace SaaS businesses that thinks a lot more about the freelancer's perspective and what keeps them the most motivated. Absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Um, so having all of these employees that you're juggling and building your business, um, constantly meeting those goals, you also have a family with two sons and you're in the heat of middle school and teenagerisms, that, which is like a huge transformation from kids to teenagers. So there's a lot going on there, I would imagine. How do you manage family and building your business? Um, I stay really busy, um, but I also, I have, I just have a lot of passions in life. So I, I spent a lot of time in Silicon Valley. I can, I can, I've seen like the different ways that you can live your life. I think part of my main impetus for moving back here 10 years ago was just how hard it was to balance your work life and your, sorry, your work and your life balance. And I spent, a, I just commit really heavily. I just don't give up weekends. I don't give up my, my sports time. And, uh, I also joined a band this year. Um, like it takes a lot of time and I want to spend a ton of time with my kids too. So I, I use a lot of energy to do these things, but I'm an extrovert. So that's what gives me energy. Um, and if I, if I'm not doing these things, then nothing else at work goes well. So, uh, 
it, it took me a really long time to figure out that I just don't need to push myself over the top at work and that's going to make me better. And if I put in more hours, I'll get there. Uh, if I turn up doing the things that I liked and refresh, then I'll be happier. And and truthfully, the best ideas always come from interesting sources, not the ones you planned on. If you only listen to B2B, B2B marketing podcasts, you're not going to be the best B2B marketer because your best idea is going to come from somewhere else. Yes. And you don't know where it's going to come from. So the more things you expose yourself to and the more curious you are about life and follow those passions, they will make your work-life balance. You just don't know how. There's a book out there, a course called The Artist's Way, and um, mm-hmm. it's about doing a date um, dating yourself and like once a week doing something creative. And um, it's, I did it and for a month with a group of uh, moms. And it was really interesting what happened with me because I am not an artist in any way, shape or form. Um, but as I followed some of the prompts that they like, they want you to journal. I'm not great at journaling. I don't stick to it, but I did start taking myself out on artist dates, like to a museum. I found an art journaling class that I tried once and ended up doing it for a year. Um, so I love that you joined a band because that's a creative artist outlet that probably, um, sparks new ideas for you and also releases stresses from the day as well. All of that too. And then you learn all sorts of bizarre, like management lessons. Cause you're getting together with my group is five guys and you're all interacting in your own way. And there has to be some leadership and who follows who and how do you give feedback to each other, but you're having a good time. How do you choose a song? Who? How do you choose your song list for what your first set's going to be is super hard. I can't uh, imagine I, with five people. <laughs> I had this, uh, so for, to give you an example, because examples are more fun. Um, I was, uh, so the the lead guitarist, I was I got lost in what key I was in, which I, I played acoustic guitar for a really long time. And the electric guitar is like this foreign object to me. And I never know where we are. I don't know what rhythm we're in. I don't, <laughs> I don't like um, they're sticking up with me and, or sticking with me. And I appreciate that. And I said, what happens when I start my solo on the wrong key? He said, just stick with that key because the song will eventually come back to you. <laughs> wow. Which wow. is kind of like, all right, we can make some bizarre lessons in life here, which is like, you know, if you come up with the, your idea for your startup and it goes, it's not going the path that you expected it to may just stick with it. And eventually you'll find the right, the right fit. Yeah, so absolutely. Could, could make a brand lessons like that. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So yeah, I find that creativity is very important, but a lot of us, um, you know, stuff it down because we're busy with businesses and then family. And we kind of put ourselves last. Um, I like that you're very active because I have found that being active also helps with your brain and your mental health, which is really important because you can get, as you said, what did you learn from Silicon Valley watching them? I would imagine some of that mental health issue came up there. I did. So I learned a lot of things. So on the good side, let's start like on the good, the concept of, so I I had a, a super privileged early opportunity to work with uh, a team that was a bunch of the early Netscape guys, the chief operating officer of eBay came on to run our startup. We grew from a few million dollars to $150 million in four years. And it was just a skyrocket type of wow. one of those Silicon Valley journeys that people write about. It didn't end like people write about, but that's a different, <laughs> story, a different inspirational podcast. Um, but the things I learned is one is 
think bigger. Like don't think of what most people think about what they can do versus what they should do or what could be humanly possible. And that is a really trained thinking. You can only think that if you're surrounded by every resource in the world. So of course they have VC funding, which is like you come up with a great idea and someone's going to give you $30 million to do it is very different than if you're bootstrapping like we are. Mm-hmm. But the second is being around technologists and new business, like business strategy thinkers. So when I came up with an idea, I'd go to, there were two of the first 10 Netscape engineers who created the internet on our team. Wow. And I would get to go and knock on their door and be very kind of, please, um, I have this idea. Uh, and they would start drinking Dr. Pepper, close the door. You would see them at like two o'clock in the morning playing on a keyboard and looking like a mad scientist. And then two days later, it's just done. They've created something wow. that never existed before. And so first of all, watching that's really powerful. But the second is that really opens up your mind to like, I should not limit myself to what I think is possible to what I think should happen. I think well, that was really cool. Or your, your own abilities, because it's always asking somebody else that has those abilities that you don't have to help you get to where you're going. A lot of us don't ask for help. It's true. The second thing that I really love is being around incredibly smart people all the time. Like there's just a lot of really like it's like it's there's a reason that it's the, the nexus. People come there because they want to be among the best. And when you're among the best, these people will go for, you know, spend six months to two years at a startup and give it a shot. And if it doesn't work, go somewhere else. And which means that the amount of learning and rapid kind of feedback process goes really fast. So people that you've worked with have already worked with 10 other companies. And now you have 20 people on your team. They've all seen what the best of the best look like all over the place. And it's very different from a, like a town like Denver, which is as much as it's a leading technology city, which I love, um, you know, people here stick with their jobs a lot longer and stick with work-life balance. Um, and uh, so they could be at a company for five to 10 years, which means you don't get to see more cycles or more innovations at other companies. So I think those are the two of the things that I loved. And on the downside is, wow, you can really burn out fast if you're not taking care of yourself. You can really lose your mind. And the more hours you work, the shorter you are with other people, both at work and at home. Um, and it's really hard to take care of yourself when uh, there's that much stress in your life, especially in the old days when you used to have to commute two hours a day on top of everything. <laughs> do you remember that? That was, oh like, yeah. That was like decades ago. Decades ago. I do miss listening to, um, audio books in the car. <laughs> mm. I miss the transition between yeah. being at home and being at work. Like now we're in a different place. Yep. But Overall, that's a small sacrifice to me <laughs> to make. <laughs> um, so what kind of activities do you do with your family outside of your business being in Denver mm, and well, having the Col- world at your fingertips? <laughs> yes, it's good to be a Coloradan. Um, so my boys and I do a lot of things. So we, we do a lot of classic Colorado stuff that's not going to surprise anyone. Uh, we we ski a lot. Uh, my parents happen to live next to a ski area, which makes life very good nice. for me. It was a very compelling reason to move back from San Francisco. Uh, so we ski a lot. The Both both the boys are at that age of 10 and 13 where they're kind of in the sweet spot before they become super teeny and yeah. after they become super dependent. Um, <laughs> so super enjoyable. Uh, we mountain bike together. Uh, I'm a big ultimate Frisbee player and they both throw and uh, play amazingly well. Um, we do some family hikes. Um, I don't know. Uh, and then mountain biking is really the big new adventure for me. Um, but I like to do as many of my outdoor all of my activities with other people as much as possible, part of my extroverted problems. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And I find that being outdoors, I was not always an outdoorsy person, um, but I found, I have found, especially during COVID, a lot of people have discovered the joy of being outdoors and how it just calms the body being out there in nature, um, getting some of that extra energy yeah. out. I, so I've, yes, I've always like, that is part of like, if I don't go outside, I, I know this about myself. So being in Colorado, it's a lot more obvious than it is in other places. Yes. But one thing that I read along the way uh, was the psychological study that basically said there's a human need to see a horizon and mm. that the horizon actually calms the soul and gives you like feeling of purpose. And so I feel this every, so there's this, like at the end of Colorado has really st- strong seasons compared to San Francisco where every day feels like exactly the same. And so you finish the end of your mountain biking season and then, sorry for us, you know, think mid-October and then <laughs> ski season doesn't start for like two months. And you're like, what am I going to do with myself? And then you take that first ski lift up and you're at the top of the world and you're looking out the horizon of everywhere and you can just feel the world change inside you. So I think that part of the value of skiing that we don't even talk about as much is the ability to see the horizon in long distances and being part of that for a full day versus just a glimpse is so good for the soul. Oh my God, goosebumps just thinking about it. <laughs> like, so oh, skiing. I can feel it. Yeah, I can feel it. <laughs> I can feel it rising. <laughs> so did you just start um, mountain bike riding? What's it called? Mountain bike riding. I know a lot of people that do it and I know that it's like relatively dangerous-ish, but not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did really start getting into it the last five years. It's uh, it's. It's a lot more, fun. it's a lot more exciting than biking. I will say that I like the going up part very much the, uh, and then the going down part I'm getting better at, but it terrifies me because when you fall while you're skiing, you land in snow. Yes. Yes. And the other side is rocks and tumbles and. And you never come back. Like you're just done. All of the things that we're talking about today and how to like, there's, there's no band. There's no anything. There's no sports outside. Once you take that first leap into the rocks over your handlebars. So I'm pretty <laughs> cautious of it. The, uh, yeah, there's a, but it's really fun and it's, it's another great way to be in nature and you can get a lot more. You just get, you get to see a lot more and it becomes a lot more action packed if you're doing it on a mountain bike versus, uh, versus hiking. Yeah. And you guys, if you're not active and not as extreme here, uh, <laughs> as no, don't, don't apologize for that. Um, as you know, these kind of things really just getting moving and hiking, which is really just walking in the woods, <laughs> walking in the park, getting a tree bath. Um, that's all it is. Find a local park and just start walking with your family. It'll open up conversations. It, um, it creates bonding moments and getting out by yourself, turning off from the rest of the world. It doesn't have to be as extreme, um, but it may lead to extreme things. <laughs> just forewarning. And watching your kids in front of you on mountain bikes go down these roads, that there's just like, it is terrifying. <laughs> I had not thought about that. My son tried it once and he, he face planted. He oh, had, how old is he? he is 17 now. I think he was like, um, he was 15 at the time and that was in Denver. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it was no. in Denver. We went for an aerospace, um, engineer internship with Boeing. It was very cool. Just saying, just very cool. And I got to hike in the Rocky mountains and all those little side trails around Denver and I fell in love just saying. <laughs> Wow. I have a yeah. great video of my 13 year old completely face planting in the rocks that my wife will not let me show her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, but I also do some mellow things like Pilates. So it's not always, there's needs to be some good balance to life. There is, there is. So what would you say as far as hiring people before we close this out? Um, I know hiring employees is very difficult, um, finding the right ones. And now you have 3000. What is your secret to hiring employees? What are some tips you can share with to our listeners? Cool. Well, first of all, our, our writers aren't employees, they're freelancers, uh, the contractors. So they, uh, we're creating great opportunities for them. And that basically, if I can create opportunities that others don't have, then it's easier to, to create a pull environment than a push. Just like it's inbound marketing is a lot easier to tell your story and have the right people find you than it is to do outbound sales, which is a lot of work and an uphill struggle. Uh, and then we have about, I think we're at 32 actual employees. Um, and so the quirk, so for me, it's a very similar story, which is create an environment that great people want to go to is number one. And number two is look for cat- look for look for skill sets and and experience levels that are different than other people are looking for. If you are looking for the best who has been there before, done that, like you know, your director of, of I don't know, account management, who's been the best at like Salesforce and stuff like that, everyone's gonna be fighting for the same people. Um, I'm looking for quirky liberal arts people who can figure it out. I would much rather have junior level people who are super motivated, love to be at our company and we'll figure things out. And then I hire executive coach to coach them up. Um, and I'd rather focus on that and I can attract much more interesting talent that way. And it also makes it a lot more fun for me to be there because, because we're creating this to have fun along the way too. Like there's a lot of I think there's a lot of goals in, in uh, for a lot of companies and very few people talk about, we all want to have a really fun time while doing it too. And so uh, the more people you let, they let them know that they're going to have a good time at your company. They will take a lot of risk and a lot of different compensation packages in order to be the place that really rewards them. Yeah, I agree. Did you learn all of this in Silicon Valley or just kind of stumbling across it as you go? I learned some of this from Silicon Valley and a lot of it from Ultimate Frisbee. So ultimate frisbee. <laughs> that's where you thought I was. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> thought that's where I was going to go. Um, so I've been an ultimate frisbee captain for uh, like I started playing my, my my first year of college, and I just love the sport. And so there's this concept. If you're not familiar with it, there's an overarching uh, ethos of the game, which is called the spirit of the game, which is that we don't have referees. We call our own fouls. We cheer for the other team. Uh, after every game, we used to do really creative, funny cheers, and now it's gotten a little more mainstream. But the uh, the idea is that it's a really welcoming culture, and it's also a social culture. Like if you if somebody else is playing, you actually you naturally have a connection with them and trust them. It's like being part of your group. Uh, and I want uh, and. And most ultimate teams don't get above thirty people, which is about the size of my company. So I'm going to need a new uh, new example after this, but. I think that the best teams that I've I've coached a lot of teams, captain and been on, and the ones that the ones that cheer for each other and that have the most fun consistently beat the teams with the better players that are telling each other the better strategies. They get in the huddle, they're down five to four, and they're talking about what everybody needs to do, what everybody did wrong. Those teams don't win. Uh, and so some combination of seeing what the best of the business world brings and the best of just communities that come together. Wow. You are full of great information. If you don't have a business teaching business owners this stuff, you should. They need it. (laughs) You are a rare jewel. Jewel. Steve Pockross, guys, check them out. How can they get in touch with you? 
Uh, so a couple ways you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm at Spockross, S-P-O-C-K-R-O-S-S. Um, half the world calls me Spock if you need to as well. The uh, My company is Verblio.com, V-E-R-B-L-I-O.com. We are a bunch of writers. And so our website is very fun and quirky and you should enjoy actually looking at it if I did things right. Uh, and then my podcast is called the Yes and Marketing Podcast. And you can find us everywhere. Love it. Love it. Thank you, Steve. Thanks. Great talking to you. Rush Yeager here. Thanks so much for listening to the Becoming Titans podcast. If you're a successful business owner, entrepreneur, or executive, consider your company as having a true purpose and would like to be a guest on this program, please visit rushyeager.com forward slash apply. And hey, if you got value out of the interview today, I'd be so grateful if you simply would share it on your favorite social media platform. And if you know someone who would be a great guest for the show, tag them on social media to let them know about it and include hashtag Becoming Titans. I love seeing you guys' posts and guest suggestions. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content, so to make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and really mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more about what I do, go to RussJager.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram, all under my name. Thanks again for listening. Have an awesome day, and we'll see you next time.